0: Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership, insight, and advice. Welcome to She Leads Podcast, season four, episode nine. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother businesswoman and leader. Our guest for today is Veronica Lane. Veronica Lane founder and CEO of Project Manager Guru Inc. is a highly respected B2B management and leadership training developer, serving clients across the public and private sectors. Her successful track record affords her the opportunity to facilitate workshops for governmental clients like the United States Navy and the Department of Homeland Security, as well as the fashion industry and Institutions of Higher Learning. She is the author of The Book of Veronica, Beyond the Certification, and is a regular project management speaker at business conferences across the United States and abroad. Veronica began her career as a gymnastics coach and thought her path would include teaching children how to dig deep into their power to summon their greatness. As time went on, this desire to better lives transformed into providing services for the finance and banking industry. While taking on various project management roles, she uncovered a gap in the employee development space. It was this gap that led her to create her company, Project Manager Guru, Inc. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Veronica Lane. Veronica, welcome to She Leads podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me and I promise I'll, I'll share as much information that would be helpful for everyone out there. Awesome. So i read your bio and I want to say kudos to you for finding a
0: gap in employee development Uh, and making it your business to change it by providing trainings to businesses that need it. That's awesome.
1: uh, Well, thank you so much. You know, one of the things that, that I found being a project management professional is that when you have that certification, there's that expectation that you already know everything. And what that really means when you've passed that test is that you know everything that you should know, but that emotional intelligence is something that's going to set you apart. And there are things that we experience in the job function that no one can prepare us for. So we just have to be ready for it. And a lot of the times who we support don't know everything and they want help too which is one of the reasons why they've hired you so I, I really want to fill that gaps so when everyone's comfortable when they're taking on that new role that's awesome okay so are you ready to talk about leadership I am I'm
0: excited yay okay so I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form whether mm-hmm. they've realized it or not would you agree Veronica?
1: I would. I would. Especially since most people are running their own lives, right? So you have to be a leader in order to make that happen. And no one knows all the obstacles that you have to navigate so that you can get through your day. So I would definitely agree with that statement. We all are leaders in our own way.
0: Yes. Thank you. And you said a key point that means the world to me is that we all have to run our own lives. So leadership starts with self-leadership and being able to lead yourself effectively. So thank you so much for that. Okay. So can you tell us when you realized you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization?
1: I actually realized that when I was in preschool. Wow. And I know that that's really early, right? But I was one of those self-actualized kids and, and I didn't do a lot of the things that the other kids did. And it was reinforced when I got older. So I was actually in school and I think it was I think it was social studies actually. And I, I was in social studies and I was one of those kids that asked a lot of questions and I wanted to make sure that I understood so I could even at that age take me to that next level so I could help myself and the other friends that I had. And I had this teacher that I guess I asked too many questions (laughs) because he said, I need for you to go down to the principal's office. And I said, no, I'm not going. I said that my parents sent me to school to make sure that I learn. Your job function is to ensure that that takes place. And if I'm in someone's office, and I'm not getting everything that I'm supposed to get out of this class. So I'm going to stay here and you're going to teach me oh wow and so as as you can probably guess there was a parent teacher conference that very next day (laughs) and when my father went to the school and and spoke to this teacher he supported everything that i said and that he had said that my child isn't like all of the other kids So when you ask her to do something, it has to make sense. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't make sense, then she's not going to do it. And so to this day, that support meant so much to me. And it formed where I am and, and the things that I do and how I teach everyone else. Because when someone's asking a question and everyone else in the room is quiet, there's a reason why everyone else is quiet. They may not be comfortable to ask everything that they need to be successful, and they're just absorbing information. But you have to be a energy giver, too. You can't just be a consumer. And so when you're just a consumer, then you're just taking whatever anyone wants to give you. But when you're a leader, you actually have to pick and grab things out of your atmosphere that you think are gonna be beneficial for you so that you can be better. And I think that, that leaders do that.
0: Yes, thank you for that. I love that. And I love that you were showing leadership all the way from preschool because so, I do believe as leaders, we show those qualities at a young age, but yet it depends on who we have around us to actually bring it out or to embrace it. Like, I remember getting in trouble for talking a lot in school, but no one told me that that was the beginning of my leadership and my great communication skills and yes. being able to debate a, a concept or a topic down to the T. Like, yes. no one. You know, it was years before I realized that, hey, this could actually be a good thing. So that's awesome to have those people that embrace that and build that up and support you along the journey. So
1: thanks for sharing. Yeah, I am. I am that person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. And it actually, what you said made me think of my son, because my son is the kind of kid where people are like, why are you always explaining to him? I said, because he needs the heat for his brain. He, he needs understanding. Because I can play because that's how I am as well. So thank you for that. So in my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership, The If-Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader with the intention of helping others do the same. Veronica, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership
1: and why? Definitely. So my code is that you should always be your authentic self. And you want to make sure that when you're navigating through your day, you always want to make sure that you're working with the limitations of everyone else, right? So when a lot of people think about the golden rule, I don't believe in it. I don't believe that you are supposed to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. And The reason for that is because no one else is you and how you handle things may be totally different than how someone else would handle it. So you have the driver personality, you have the innovator personality, those that are really into analytics. You know, you have so many different types of personalities and since I'm a driver, I can't treat a creative the exact same way that I would be able to handle it. You know, I might need a box of tissue on my desk all of the time because I can take something that someone else can't take. So, I really believe in finding out what the limitations of other people are and then making sure that I focus in and and don't go outside of that because then that that means that I'm adding stress on that person. I am also taking them out of a comfort level, but not in a good way, right? So I'm not setting them up for success. And that's what we always want to do. And it's great to have all the other personalities on your team or all those other personalities that you get to work with, because now you have options. You're actually working with people who can see things in a different way, so that now you always have a backup. And you always mm-hmm. want to make sure that you have a backup. Yes, thank you for that. I love what you said, because I feel
0: the same way. And some people get it and some people don't. Where I always say, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them the way they want to be treated. It's not about you. It's about them. So I love the way you said it as far as working with the limitations of everyone else. And like we think of limitations as a bad thing, but it is what it is. We are who we are and how we choose to communicate or be dealt with is our own individual thing. I mean, of course, it's the different personalities fall. It falls under the different personalities. But as an individual, we have our own unique way. So that's awesome. That, and it is very important to take the time to figure that out for the people that you're dealing with so that you can have successful and effective relationships.
1: Most definitely.
0: Thank you. Okay. I believe all leaders experience failure. I, myself, I don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. Veronica, can you share your view of failure and what it means to you?
1: Well, I I really think that failure is personal And I also believe that it comes from where your framework is. So are you someone who strives for excellence or are you a person who strives from perfection? So if you're focusing in on perfection, that's usually coming from a place of control and a place of fear. And you're only focusing in on what that end result is. And most people who are focusing in on being perfect, they are not taking into account that there is growth that takes place within themselves. And they're also focusing in on what they know today. So when I would work with my teams, one of the things I would always say to the point that they used to say it too, and it used to crack me up, I would always say, based on the information that I have today, or Another way that I would say that is all things held constant. So I had all of my team at some point in time during our conversations or during our team meetings, they would say all things held constant, Veronica. I'm like, yes, all things held constant. So basically, given the information that I have today, I'm going to piece together my best path, my best course of action. And because I do that, I'm comfortable with whatever that outcome is, even if that outcome's wrong, right? So if I'm focusing in on being excellent, which is totally different than focusing on being perfect, when you're focusing on excellence, you're actually paying attention to the journey, You're more Mm -hmm. spontaneous. You're actually taking the information as it comes and you're comfortable if that information happens to change so that you can do something else with it, right? And so when I would have all of my teams, I wanted to make sure that they were comfortable with risk, right? People who are focusing in on perfection, they want to remove all risk they don't even want to discuss risk. If there is an executive sponsor, they want their executive sponsor to think that there was absolutely no risk involved in that project. Anyone who knows anything about projects, there's risk all the time, all mm-hmm. the time, every single day. And so you're working with your subject matter experts, those, those people who are tied to your team, and you want them to almost do something like seek and destroy. You want them to look for all of the risk possibilities so that you Mm -hmm. can present it to your team and your team can work through what those options are, right? Mm -hmm. So, So now you know that if this thing happens, it's okay. And now we know what our options are and we can move forward. So we're not working from a place of fear, right? So that means I can bring the best out of my people they're not afraid of coming to me saying you know what since we just met xyz just took place and this is what i think we should do right no one's hiding anything and projects fail in the beginning they don't fail at the end so if you're working with your your team and you're and you're actually setting them up to say you know what risk is okay we just need to talk about it and figure out what that is, then there's no such thing as failure because you're really only focusing on the, on the information that you have today.
0: Yes, yes. Thank you. Oh, I love your project management angle that you took to answer that question. That's <laughs> definitely near and dear to my heart. And we do do all of the risk identification and mitigation plans. So I can relate. Listening to you actually made me think of a quote I recently saw, which said, When you aim for perfection, at least you can reach excellence or something to that nature where basically perfection is an illusion. But at Mm -hmm. least for those people that feel like they need to try for perfection, it it doesn't have to be a bad thing because you know Mm -hmm. that that leads you towards excellence. And excellence, like you said, is what you should be attaining to as opposed to perfection. So I love that. And I agree with you as far as when a person is trying to be perfect, they don't take risks because a risk has a a level of, oh, this might not go right, right? right. So if you're scared of that, then you're not going to try those new and great things that may lead to something awesome and amazing because you don't want to fail. Right. So thank you for highlighting that as well. Okay. So Veronica, can you share one time you failed as a leader and tell us what you learned from that experience to help you become a better leader?
1: It is awful and hilarious, all (laughs) rolled up into one. So I am one of those leaders that want to make sure that I say all of the greatness from a team perspective out loud, in public, in front of everyone for the world to hear. Because we have a tendency to say the bad part loud, and the good part quiet. So I made sure that I would say the good part loud and the bad part quiet. So there was a person who was on my team. They were absolutely fantastic. I love them. I think that they put forth everything that I wanted the rest of my team members to have, and I wanted to reward them for that. So it took me about two months to gather all the information needed because most times in the corporate structure we have to prove that someone is worthy of a promotion Mm -hmm. so since we have to prove it i had to gather all of my stats and make sure that i had what my boss would need to justify giving this employee a promotion so i did that so i'm pretty much skipping over to their desk i'm so excited that I can give them this promotion. And I'm proud, quite frankly, that I can do it, right? Because I developed this person to this place. So I come to her desk and I said, guess what? And she's like, what? And I said, I was able to get you a promotion. And when I say that she ripped me up one side and down the other, in in front of company, out loud in public, she was not happy. She was not happy and she let everyone know publicly that she was not happy. She said, how in the world could you do this to me? All I want to do is come in, do my job, and go home. I don't want a promotion. This is all I want to do. I was hired to do this job function, and this is this job function that I want to do, and that's it. So I'm thinking to myself, well, this is awkward. (laughs) i thought i was doing a fantastic thing right yes Mm -hmm. and so i kind of back away from her desk and i head over to my boss's office and i said so there's been a change of plans she does (laughs) not want a promotion at all in the history of ever and i want to know whether or not i can still give her more money i said i still need to show her that i value her Mm -hmm. And that it's important that everyone knows that I do. Can I please do that? And he said, yes. So I tiptoed, could I tiptoed this time? I wasn't as, (laughs) as firm in my gait. You could not hear my heels clicking across the floor this time. And so I head over to her desk and I say, so is it okay if I pay you more money? And she said, yes. And I was overjoyed because she very well could have said no, right? What if she didn't want to get to that next pay cycle, right? What if she said, you know what? I like the tax bracket that I'm currently in and I don't want to go higher, right? So then I would have to think of something else that I could do. But one of the things that I learned from that really goes back to the golden rule that we talked about. Mm -hmm. I was treating her the way that I wanted to be treated, Because I am that personality that wants to always go up the ladder. I'm that person where, you know what? I've been doing this for a good three months. It's time for me to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. And so I was treating her the way that I would want to be treated. And I wasn't focusing in on that emotional intelligence that I should have. So that was definitely a fail for me. But it was also a win because I understood something that I did not understand before. and it it was something that my boss right as i'm putting together my proposal and i'm coming to their desk and i'm doing my pitch never in that conversation did we talk about well what does that person want we were really only focusing in on the business and the needs of the business and the gap that we had with regards to the business and so i learned a lot I figured out that I could tuck my tail really well and still come out on the other side and bring value to that person that I thought so highly of.
0: Awesome. I love that. And that is a great example. And I can relate to you because I'm the kind of person that likes the open celebration. So understanding a person that doesn't is not an immediate understanding for me. Like, it's like, well, what's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you be happy about this? (laughs) Right. Right. But, uh, you know... Like everyone is individual and we all have our likes and our dislikes. So like you said, it's important to find out what a person wants as opposed to thinking that they think like you or agree with the way you choose to be celebrated. So that is an awesome, awesome example. Thank you. Okay. So Veronica, do you feel it's easier, harder, or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem and why?
1: I believe that it is harder, and the reason why I do believe that is because most, most females are raised to, be, to have a quiet confidence mm. and to only speak when absolutely necessary, to be in the background, to be that support. There was a movie that I saw recently called The Wife. And I won't give any spoilers, but (laughs) it was basically a female being powerful and great, but no one knew that. Mm. They were more of the support role. And that's what we are taught to do. That is what our culture does. And so when we're that way, other people don't know just how fantastic we are and just how powerful we are. So I strongly believe in making sure that we have a firm frame and everyone has a frame. And when I say frame, I'm talking about when you walk into a room, someone is either going to fold into your frame or you're going to fold into someone else's. Even if you are the leader but no one knows you, so you're walking into a room for the very first time. Everyone has to know, without even speaking to you, that you're running the show. And that all comes from the frame and the intention that you put out there. Men as a whole are taught that from a very young age. Females have a tendency to learn that later in life, when they're wanting to do something, and they're not being considered. And so what happens is we then try to figure out, you know what, how, how come I keep being bypassed for this? If you take a look at my work, if you take a look at everything that I've done, I would be the obvious choice. But you're not the obvious choice because you're quiet. So Mm. one of the things that I had learned, actually I learned this when I was in college, freshman in college for that matter, I took this professional development class and one of the biggest things that I took from this class was whenever I'm in a meeting that I need to speak at least one time, at least once, because I have to make sure that no one questions whether or not I was in the room. That no one questions whether or not I was in attendance. That no one questions that I was actually able to contribute to the conversation. That I wasn't just an observer, but that I was actually a critical thinker and that I can handle being in the spotlight and that that's where I'm comfortable being. But as a whole, females aren't taught that. And so I do think it's a little bit more difficult for us just because of what we're taught from a very young age. Okay, thank you for that. I
0: love your view on this question as well as the advice that you gave. So that was really awesome. And I do agree that for the most part, females have been raised to have a quiet confidence, right? You were kind of speaking to me. I'm listening to you like, that sounds like me. But yet, you know, I'm learning slowly, but surely to continue to come out of my shell where I really don't belong in a shell anyway. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I found myself there over the years. And I can relate to sitting in meetings and not talking, even though I had all kind of ideas running through my head and suggestions, but for whatever reason, chose not to speak up. And then wonder why I'm not getting chosen for certain things. So I, that's, that's dead on advice, spot on. I love it. So thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Welcome.
0: Okay. So productivity is a hot topic right now, as it should be. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. As a successful leader, this is a must. Veronica, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners?
1: I definitely do. I definitely do. So most people only think about the things that they have to do and the items that they put on their calendar and the times that they have blocked out on their calendar. And that takes up a lot of space, a lot of time. But what we don't consider is our unscheduled time. What are we doing during our wait time? What are we doing while we're on hold? What are we doing while we're getting our car service knowing that that's going to take a good three or four hours what are we doing while we're developing a report and we hit run and it takes 30 minutes for that report to complete are we just going to sit and wait or are we actually going to do something in that time so what i highly recommend is to put together what I call our master task list. So you would really just take a look and see what you did yesterday and put times to that, and find out what your most detailed or your high payoff items are, and when during your day you did those things. What you'll then do is write down, well, what were my non-critical tasks? What were the more routine things that I had to do that didn't require my conscious brain that i it was so routine that i could really do it in a in a subconscious way and it's those things that you can do during your wait time so as long as you're able to identify what those things are then you'll be able to use all that other free time that no one else knows that you have right because when you take a look at your calendar everyone thinks that you're full that you're packed that there's no time to do anything else but they don't know that you're actually waiting for something. And so you can actually use your wait time to be more productive. What I would also say is to prioritize. So prioritization doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be a lot of conversations with yourself. And I do highly think that speaking to yourself is a big deal. No one speaks (laughs) to you more than you. And you want to use that time wisely too. So there are different quadrants. So you have quadrant one, your quadrant two, your quadrant three, and your quadrant four. And your quadrant one, that's where all of your fires take place. That is where it's urgent and it's important. And your quadrant two is it's important, but it's not urgent. So really where you want to live after you go, go through that task list, you want to live in your quadrant one and your quadrant two place, right? All of your major heavy lifting comes from there. So then you have your quadrant three. Now your quadrant three, that's when it is urgent, but it's not important. So I know that that sounds odd. So how in the world can it be urgent and not important? Well, that's when someone else comes up to you and asks you to do something. So it's really urgent for that other person, but not so important for you, right? So that's when you'll want to push back and take a look at your time And you want to ask them, so hey, do you think this is going to take somewhere between two and five minutes? Because if so, I can definitely help you now. If you think it's going to take a little bit longer than that, then we want to take a look at our calendar and get something scheduled and, and make it happen, right? So your Quadrant Threes are coming from someone else. This isn't you. I call them the Others. <laughs> so that's where all of that stuff comes from, right? So then we have our quadrant four. and our quadrant four, that is when it's not important and it's not urgent, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's not important and it's not urgent, what you should be asking yourself is, why in the world am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those are usually the items that we procrastinate. So procrastination isn't a bad thing. Right. So I, I definitely want to pull away that connotation of procrastination. In, in my opinion, all it means is that's something that hasn't been winning. It just hasn't been falling into your quadrant one and quadrant two place. Right. Which in turn means that it might be a quadrant one or quadrant two for somebody else. So that's when you want to take a look and see whether or not that's something that you can delegate to someone else. So this is something that I that I live by, things that I actually do to make sure that I'm as effective as I can possibly be. And and those quadrants actually come from the seven habits of highly effective people for those mm-hmm. that have heard of Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that. I love it. I
0: love it. And I love how you gave the tip as far as use your wait time, right? Because we don't Often think about that, but it is times when we're sitting and we're waiting, and it's different tasks that we may have to do pay a bill, check a schedule, send an email where finding the time or making the time to do those isn't necessarily on your list, but then you have those gaps to fill. So I love that. Thank you so much. Yes. Okay. So, Veronica, can you share an experience that blessed your leadership? and tell us about the outcome or the takeaway that you learned?
1: One of the things that was truly a blessing for me is for me to learn that I have value, that the things that I think and the things that I see are a big deal. And what I also learned was that whatever we're having a hard time with is usually that thing that we're supposed to do in this life so when i was young and it's so funny because i've been told at different stages of my life to not focus in on this but this is where i live and this is where i gain my power and that's why i think it's so important for me to share it so when i was young i had a really difficult time talking my speech impediment was drastic I had a really hard time saying anything. Public speaking was something that I avoided at all costs. And I found as I was getting older, that that was actually what I was supposed to be doing. Mm. And it was something that it was my biggest challenge when I was a child, I literally couldn't speak. Whenever I had to, I locked up. I was tight, I was in all these speech, therapy classes. And, and I was like, why is this happening to me? I have so many thoughts. I'm really smart. How in the world can I get this out to the world? So that's where I started writing. I wrote a lot. But then I said, you know what? A lot of people don't read. So what am I going to do if we don't have readers? How am I going to share all of my ideas with everyone else? And I had a teacher. I was in college and I had this teacher he taught me, I guess I shouldn't say teacher, he was a professor. And my professor taught American history and American government. And so when I took his class, he actually made me take all of my notes and teach the class. I was up in front of the entire class every single day reading the notes that I took the night before. And it was such a challenge for me, but it made me speak. It made me talk. And one of the things that I learned from that and was a major lift was at the end of the school year, when it was time for me to take my final, he passed me one of those little Scantron sheets and he gave me the answers and he told me to fill it out. (laughs) And then that was me because he knew that i knew everything because i was teaching the class every day and i told him i said i don't think that i can do this i don't think that i can talk to the class i don't think i can stand up in front of all these people and do this and he told me that i could and i believed him and so i did and he was one of the biggest blessings that experience was one of the biggest blessings that i ever had because I actually speak for a living. I go around the country speaking, I teach. I was in customer care. I spoke on the phones, you know? So that, that thing that is the challenging thing that you were born with is usually that thing that you're supposed to navigate and have greatness from while you're in this life.
0: Okay, thanks for sharing that and I do agree that those things, those problems, those pet peeves that we find along the way are definitely our gifts or the problems that we're supposed to solve for ourselves or even solve for others. So thank you for sharing. Okay. So Veronica, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or have ever received from a leader and tell us how you've implemented it into your life?
1: I would definitely still want everyone to be their most authentic selves. And when when I think about that, I I have a tendency to think about work and finding out what it is that we're, we're supposed to do. And we have a lot of outside influence, whether they come from our parents or from our friends or from our social circles. And when we're listening to others and trying to live out what their dreams are, We're not paying attention to ourselves and and what we might want may be different from what someone else might want. We might be risk takers in our life. Maybe we don't want to just get a paycheck. Maybe we don't just want to work somewhere to just say that we're working somewhere. Find out what you love to do and be comfortable pursuing that. Yes, we need to eat in the meantime. (laughs) so I'm not saying to not work right but most of us have a little bit of free time where we can do that thing that we're passionate about and eventually that free time is going to turn into profit and when Mm. that profit turns into something that is bigger than what you're doing on your day job that's when you can say you know what I think I'm ready Mm. I am, I'm I'm going to step out and I'm going to do that. But you have to be able to pay attention to what your heart is pulling you to do for that to happen, because then you can pursue those things and, and live in your fullness.
0: Thank you. I love that. Yes. And I do agree with you that at times we can be swayed by what people think our lives should be. But until you decide what makes you happy as a person and pursue your desires for your own life, or like you said, live authentically, you'll never find that true happiness within yourself. So that is great, great, great advice. And I love how you said it'll lead to money as well. So, hey, <laughs> it sounds like a win to me, right? <laughs> do what you enjoy and get paid to do so. Yes, Okay. So, Veronica, you made it to the finish line.
1: How do Woo-hoo! you feel? I'm excited. <laughs> I'm happy.
0: <laughs> awesome. I want to thank you again for being a guest on She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information or mention any events, products, services, and or ventures that they would benefit from knowing about?
1: Definitely. Definitely. So I can be found on LinkedIn and I can also be found on Instagram. I'm really heavy in those places. And my website is www.projectmanagerguru.com. I'm going to spell it because manager is a little different. So it's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-M-G-R- G-U-R-U.com and I'm actually everywhere that you want me to be. So I love to travel. I go to on sites quite a bit. There are times when something that is a can subject is not something that would be helpful for you. So I develop things that are catering to the needs of your company. So I love doing that and making sure that you get the most lift out of it. But I also share with people that I'm a person. So please come and join me out on on Instagram and you'll see all the the adventures that I have, as well as what I'm doing on my business site and on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, Veronica, thank you
0: again. We appreciate your insight today. Thank you. It was, was my absolute pleasure. Thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. I really enjoyed this interview with Veronica and I hope you did as well. I agree with Veronica's viewpoint on the importance of working within the limitations of others to have successful and effective relationships. Veronica's suggestion to avoid taking people out of their comfort zone in an unhealthy way was spot on. It is extremely necessary to treat people the way they want to be treated and not assume that our personal preferences are the same as those around us. This takes getting to know people and respecting how they prefer to be dealt with. To be a successful leader, we must take ourselves out of the equation. I admire Veronica's determination to overcome her biggest challenge, which happened to be public speaking. Our greatest struggle can become our greatest achievement if we put in the work. According to Veronica, the challenges we experience in life are usually the areas we are meant to help others with. Veronica and many others have proven this to be so, and I believe it because I have seen it and experienced it myself. In Season 1, Episode 6, Leadership Empowerment with Kristen Young, This topic was also discussed. A quote by Albert Einstein reads, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. I can relate to Veronica's logical and questioning nature as I am the same. I have an issue blindly following any directions I receive that does not make sense to me. And I will ask the questions I deem necessary to get a better understanding before deciding whether or not to move forward. To some, this behavior may come across as argumentative or defiant, while to others, it may come across as being rational and having great critical thinking abilities. Everyone has different views. On a broader scale, I can see how this skill set plays a role in being in the project management field, which shows that this has actually served us both well in the long run. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. Veronica mentioned the benefit of using our unscheduled time more effectively in an effort to be more productive. I especially like the idea of putting together a master task list of my intentions and then separating each item by critical or non-critical tasks. I can see how this will make it easier to focus on the proper task at the appropriate time. I do not want to get caught up doing minimal effort tasks during my peak performance time. So I will be sure to categorize my master task list accordingly. I want to increase my output so I will make it my business to complete my non-critical tasks during my in-between and unscheduled time. A quote by Sam Levinson reads, don't watch the clock, do what it does, keep moving. And now we have Nicole Walker's leadership challenge of the week. My leadership challenge for you will be to think about the one thing you can take away from this episode and adopt it for your life. I know it's hard to absorb too much information at one time, and it's even harder to try and implement too many changes at once. When I attend a training or listen to podcasts, I aim to walk away with at least one thing that stuck out to me and one way that I can change as a result. I challenge you to do the same. If you decide to take me up on my challenge, I would love to know about your key takeaway. If you care to share, please go to the She Leads Podcast discussion group on Facebook and leave your comment under the Takeaway Thursday post for season four, episode nine. Don't forget to subscribe to She Leads Podcast for first access to future episodes. And also like and share this episode of She Leads Podcast entitled Emotional Intelligence Sets You Apart with Veronica Lane. Thanks. And until next time, be empowered and empower on.